Hello, this is Nathan Ray, and this is my friend, Lauren Renee Howard. Hi, Lauren. <laughs> hey, Nathan. How are you doing today? How's God been working in your life over the last week? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a big question. So I was just in Southern California the past two weeks, traveling around, and yeah, I think God has been doing a lot <laughs> recently, but I guess the past week, really just talking to me about enjoying life, just enjoying the present moment and just being free, like free to be myself wherever I go, whatever I do. I've kind of been on a journey the past year or two of God just releasing like the inner child in me and healing my inner child and showing me the power of play and joy and childlike freedom. And so this trip to California that I was just on was just kind of a fun time with Jesus hanging out and exploring and getting to just be a kid and going to the beach and playing in the ocean and building sand castles and going camping. And so I think, yeah, that's kind of what God's been really showing me lately is like the power of play and just having fun and enjoying Jesus and enjoying life and just being free and not being so serious all the time and not being so stressed out all the time. And just even like how, as we are free and we are filled with joy and we are childlike, then that inspires other people and it allows other people to be set free. And especially now, I don't know, I think that's really important in this season of COVID where people are really serious and there's just a lot of heaviness in the atmosphere, you know, as believers, we get to release joy wherever we go. And yeah, so I don't know, I think that's something God keeps like just really reminding me of and putting on my heart. Have you been able to pass on that kind of joy to the people around you as you encounter them? Or have there been just people who have been like, hey, you shouldn't be so carefree and happy. There's a pandemic going on. People are dying. People's lives are being destroyed. You should be totally aware of that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I've been feeling both of those things for sure. But I've had, actually, it's cool, you know, I'll be dancing in public or dancing with flags or just like laughing or skipping or, you know, doing something fun. And um, people are drawn. I think people are hungry for that. Like people are drawn to that. And so I have had a lot of people like join me or come up and say, Hey, what are you doing? Or Hey, will you teach me how to use your flags? Or like, I've had people really drawn to me and, and want to join in and joy is contagious. Right. And so people really picking up on that people coming up and saying like, thank you. Like, thank you for dancing. Like it was so fun watching you or thank you for singing or thank you for being free and joyful. Like I've had people, a lot of people, strangers come up to me as I am fully just kind of tapping into that child likeness. But then you're right. I have had other people, especially with all the rules right now, kind of feels like a lot of control happening. And so I have, you know, had people come up to me and tell me to stop or tell me to wear a mask where I need to, you know, whatever, kind of trying to put me back in a box or make me fall into line with what everyone else is doing. So that's definitely a tension that I feel. Are they threatening you with fines or jail time? No. <laughs> I mean, I could have been kicked off the plane yesterday when I was flying. Like, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of propaganda, I guess, and a lot of, like, shaming people and a lot of fear that's controlling 
what's going on right now. So on the plane, they were like really strict and they were saying, you know, if you don't have your mask covering your nose, then like you could potentially get kicked. Like you can't fly anymore with that airline. And so they definitely had like punishments, but I wasn't like personally, you know, threatened or anything, but I did. It was interesting. Like there was a girl sitting next to me and she was really afraid and like, kind of shaking and anxious and I got to pray for her a little bit just for peace but at one point I think she did go tell the stewardess that I like wasn't wearing my mask (laughs) and then the stewardess came up to me and told me like I had to wear my mask and like all this stuff so I don't know it just kind of felt a little childish or a little communistic like oh are people really like telling on other people and like turning people in for not following the rules anyways I don't know this it's just funny times (laughs) Yeah, it is. So I would say that for me, in the way that God has been working my life over the last week, on Friday, I had the opportunity to go out to a young adult social worship event at a church that I've been tenuously affiliated with, known as Beulah Alliance Church. And while I was there, at first I felt very lonely. I didn't really recognize that many people that I knew. The worship itself, I kind of felt was mediocre because it was being held outside and no one really knew what the lyrics were because we didn't have a giant screen to project the lyrics from. So you would have this very small noise of the worship leaders just singing their songs and everyone else was just trying to sing along, mumble along, trying to keep Mm -hmm. some sort of rhythm. But I think that the message that was being preached at that event, uh, it was about being in exile and how exile is a state of existence where you can really draw closer to God because everything that you had hoped to achieve in life is now being put on hold. And after the message was done, I found out that there were people I knew at the event, some of whom I hadn't seen for years, and I was able to make new connections. It was a much more surprising time than I thought I would end up getting out of it. Like going in, I thought to myself, I don't know, this might be just a waste of time. But going out, I felt like this was something that was worth coming back to if I had the time. But the thing is, though, there's still the issue of all these other people that I don't really know. And I'm not really the kind of person who's just going out and talking to random people. I'm very quiet. I'm very introverted. And it it turns out the next time this kind of social event is going to be happening, it's going to be happening at the exact same time as a worship event at another church that I go to called The Summit. And the worship there is absolutely incredible. Like people are singing and dancing. It's like you're in the middle of a rock opera. You can feel the presence of God so strongly in there. And I I think going forward, as much as I want to be able to pursue the social connections and as much as I want to be able to hang out with people and as much as I know that I don't really have that much time to do something like that I also want to be where God is and so I think as much as that service it turned out to be a good use of my time in the end it also gave me the signal that there are other events that are more worth pursuing because God is at the center of them. Can I just, I just had a story come to mind. Can I just share one more thing about what God has been showing me this week? Yeah, go ahead. 
So, you know, I mentioned I sat by this girl on the plane and she was pretty, you know, fearful of COVID and everything, but I felt like I was supposed to talk to her. And so we started talking and she was Jewish. And so we talked a little bit about Jesus and Israel and different things. And then I, you know, asked her what she did and she worked for a very leftist organization that tries to get voters registered to vote for very progressive leftist candidates. And then she ended up, I was asking her about her values, what her values were. And she was talking to me about equity and equality. And then she mentioned that she classified herself as a non-binary queer. And I was like, what do those terms mean? Like, what is the definition of non-binary? What is the definition of queer? Like, I don't understand what that means. And so she was explaining to me just her story and like how she doesn't identify as a female, but she doesn't identify as a male. She's like somewhere in between. And then her sexuality is queer. And then she started telling me how she did drag for a while. She was a part of like the whole drag world, I guess, doing like shows and things. Just as she was talking, my heart was breaking. Like I was just feeling the love of God so strongly for this girl. At one point I started like really intensely crying. Like I couldn't hold back tears because I was just weeping at like how lost she was and how like she didn't know her identity and she didn't know the love of God. And she started talking to me about family and the drag shows, how a lot of those people had felt rejected by their families. And that's why they all came together around this common theme of being queer and and drag. And that's like what united them. And they became like family for one another because they had all experienced some sort of rejection from their natural biological families because of their choice to be queer or transgender or whatever. And so she was telling me that. I feel like God was just showing me his heart for a lot of people that are kind of on the outside of society right now, especially like the LGBTQ community, the homeless community a lot of like nomad hippie traveler people that God has really been stirring up in my heart, his love and compassion for the people that are very much rejected in our society and very much rejected in the church. And Jesus just showing me his heart, like these are the ones that he loves and these are the ones that he's calling us to pursue and to love and actually to create family for these people. Like That's what we're called to do as the body of Christ, to be family and to seek and save those who are lost. And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like God has, this past week as well, just given me a really, opened my eyes to see a lot of the pain and the loneliness that people have, but also to see his love and compassion for these people that have been really hurt and rejected by Christianity. I can understand that feeling. I know a lot of people who are like that, who kind of feel like they're on the fringe and so they're banding together in order to create some sort of family some sort of feeling of belonging because like you need that in order to stay mentally sane in life seeing how this conversation is sort of pinballing back and forth let me ask you a question that I should have asked at the beginning of this episode, but it just totally slipped my mind. We've been talking for a couple of minutes now. How exactly do we know each other? How did we first meet? What would you say <laughs> our first impressions of each other were? 
Yeah, we met under some pretty cool circumstances, definitely Holy Spirit led. We were in Orlando at the Send in Florida last February 2019, and I'd actually missed my flight. I was flying home to Nashville and I missed the flight, and so I was stuck in the airport for a long time and just trying to figure out what I was going to do and even like where I was going to go. I was actually feeling super overwhelmed and just really confused. And I was praying and I was like, God, I just need Christians right now. Like, I just need to meet some Christians. I need some comfort. I need some encouragement. Like, I just feel really alone right now. And then I started walking and I ran into these three guys who had been at the send and they just instantly started like praying for me and encouraging me. And it was very clear how God just connected us so intentionally. And then I guess... After they had prayed for me, we were just standing there talking in the airport. And then I think you and another friend of yours maybe overheard us or y'all just walked up to us and asked if we'd been at the send. And so, yeah, I, I just remember kind of this group, I guess there were five or six of us and we just were talking for a while in the airport. And um, yeah, I remember talking to you. I don't remember a lot about our conversation. I think I remember you sharing kind of your story and how you ended up at the send and it was it seemed like we both had interesting stories of how we ended up there and how God provided for us while we were there. So that was pretty cool. From my perspective, what happened was I was essentially trapped in the airport with my friend Alex. We had flights that were going out the uh, next day, but our lease on the Airbnb we'd been staying at had expired. So we really didn't have a place to stay except for the Orlando International Airport. <laughs> and for me, that, that was just an excuse to just run around the place, see what was on offer. And I remember walking by you guys, you, Jamie, Devin, and Gilberto, and thinking to myself, you know what? Those people don't look like they belong together. I wonder if they're Christians, and specifically, <laughs> I wonder if they went to the send. And at that time, I just thought, you know what, screw it. I, I've, I've been through so many amazing things today. I just want to go to Alex. I want to tell him about all that I've encountered. I don't need another Jesus encounter to distract me at the moment. And so went to Alex. I told him about all the cool things that I encountered that day in the airport. I came across a couple who had already gone to the send. I got to pray for them and their children. I went and did some other escapades that probably shouldn't be mentioning here on the podcast. And as I was explaining all this to Alex, he pointed to your direction and said, hey, do you see that group of people over there? I wonder if they're Christians. I wonder if they went to the sand. Let's go over and pray for them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of figured that. Let's do that. <laughs> and so that's the interesting thing about faith is that, you know, it's always going to lead you where you're meant to go, even if you don't think you need to go there. And I would say when it came to interacting with you specifically, there was this quest that you were going on at the time that I remember just standing back and thinking to myself, you know what, this woman, she is so willing to act inappropriately in audacious <laughs> circumstances. Under normal circumstances, I think she would be crazy, except I'm going through the same thing myself, albeit on a <laughs> less dramatic scale. And so like, I think that was actually a great source of encouragement for me. 
just to listen to you and to just think to myself, you know what, if this woman is doing all of these crazy things and she's actually succeeding in her goal, then that might mean hope for myself. I don't know if you want to go into detail about that quest here on the podcast. I think, yeah, because a lot, a lot has happened since then. So that could be cool. (laughs) Okay. So I guess let's start with that. What's the quest and what has happened since then? Well, are you referring to the relationship? Yes. The guy. Okay. Yes. Okay. Wow. Oh, man. So this is really amazing. I'll share details, but I'll try to keep it short, too. So I guess in 2018, summer of 2018, the Lord started leading me on these trips just I went to Bethel for their worship school. And then after that, I just started traveling all around the U.S. and overseas some. And I was really just living by faith, like going where the Spirit led me and told me to go and didn't have a plan, didn't know where I would sleep, didn't know where I would get money from or flights or anything. You know, I was just going by faith totally. And I was in Kansas City at one point at IHOP. And this girl, she starts prophesying over me about my husband, my future husband. And so she was just saying how, you know, as I was traveling, I was going to meet my husband. And when I saw him, I would know it was him. And I would see all these jewels around him and how it would be like Adam and Eve, how God very clearly like created them for one another. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. Like it was resonating with me and it felt like from the Lord, but you know, I, you know, want to be cautious obviously about marriage prophecies and stuff. So I guess about a month after that, I was passing through Nashville and I met up with a friend and this friend starts telling me about one of his friends and he starts just talking about this guy. And as my friend is talking about this guy, I just feel like this explosion in my heart. It's like something, I don't even know, like something exploded or my spirit leapt in my heart. And I was like, wow, okay, who is this person? I really feel like I need to meet them. We just had a lot in common and a lot of very like kind of different, strange, interesting things in common too. So I was like, okay, this person, I think I need to meet them. But I left. So I was in Nashville, but then I left and I went to Arkansas. Well, one day while I was just sitting in stillness and silence with the Lord, I heard him say, Lauren, it's time to awaken love. And I want you to read the book of Ruth and to read the story of Genesis Adam and Eve, and I want you to go back to Nashville and to meet this guy. And so I was like, okay, like, I don't know him. He doesn't know me. Like, how am I going to meet him? What do I do? And the Lord just told me to go to his church. God told me where the church was and just to go to the church. And I, I knew it was the Lord, like, because I had been praying for many years. God put me and my future husband to sleep until it's time for us to awaken, until it's time to awaken love. Because in Song of Songs, there's a verse that says like, do not awaken love until like the proper time. So when the Lord said awaken, I knew it was God because I had been praying to be put asleep. (laughs) And so anyways, I go back to Nashville the next weekend. It was actually the weekend of Awaken the Dawn, which was a big 24-7 or like 48-hour prayer and worship event. So I went back to Nashville for Awaken the Dawn, but then I went to this church on Sunday. And as soon as I walked in the church, there was a huge sign, a huge billboard that said Awaken on it. And I was like, okay, wow, this is crazy. 
And then I went in the church and the guy who I was there to see, he went to this church as well, but we didn't know each other. And so at the end of the service, there was a time of worship and the Lord told me to go up front and start dancing. So I went up to the front of the church and I just started dancing and no one else was dancing. Like I was the only person there (laughs) dancing and dancing was not really like a thing at this church. Like it wasn't very, yeah, no one else really did that there. So it was you know, pretty out of the ordinary that I was up front dancing. Well, then after the church, this guy, he comes up to me and he was like, who are you? Where did you come from? What's your name? He said, the Lord told me there would be dancing today in the service. And I forgot about it. But then when I saw you, I remembered that God told me there would be dancing today. And so anyways, that's how the Lord connected us was through dance (laughs) and how God awakened this guy to see me was through dance and worship. So we, we started talking like it was really great. And anyways, I ended up moving to Nashville after that and we became friends, but then some things happened and we ended up not really talking a lot and our relationship kind of got a little weird. So there was about, I guess, four or five months where we weren't really talking and it was just really awkward between us. But then the send happened. And the Lord, once again, told me and my friend just to go to the airport and to wait at the airport. And we didn't have money to get to the send. We didn't have money for flights. Like we had nothing, but God just told us to go to the airport by faith and to wait. So we were at the airport waiting and I look up on the the screen and there's a flight and it's, it's flashing canceled. And I was like, Hmm, I think my two friends, one of them being this guy, I think they were on that flight. So I texted him and I was like, Hey, like, did your flight just get canceled to Orlando? And he said, yes. And he said, we're actually driving to the airport, the national airport right now to get a rental car. Then we're going to drive overnight to Orlando. And so me and my friend just started laughing. We were like, Oh my gosh, God, this is amazing. We are at the airport literally waiting. And these two guy friends of ours, they come and they pick us up and then we all four drive to Orlando together. And God used that weekend. Basically, he forced me and this guy together in the same car. So we would actually have to talk and spend time together and like get to know one another. And then that whole weekend we were together and God just did some incredible things. So after that weekend, we became really good friends and we're hanging out on a regular basis. And so I was like, yes, God, you're going to do it. Like, we're going to start dating. We're going to get married. Like, this is going to be great. Like, yes, I wasn't crazy. I heard the voice of the Lord. Like, I'm not crazy, you know? Well, then about a month later, he starts dating someone else. (laughs) And I'm just like, gotta be kidding me. God, what are you, what's going on? Like, I know you told me this man was my husband. And so he starts dating this girl and a few months later they get engaged and you know, it's looking pretty bleak. And I'm like, okay, well, either I didn't hear the voice of God or he's disobeying or I'm crazy. Like, you know, just all these thoughts, like what is happening? What God, I swear that was you that I heard, but maybe it wasn't, you know, and just wrestling with all these questions and wrestling with like free will, even, you know, like God does give us free will. And maybe this man was my husband, but he, because of free will chose something else, you know, like, I don't know, just really having about six to eight months wrestling with the Lord about a lot of things. And, um, it's funny. He just texted me actually. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> we'll find <laughs> out. We'll find out more about that later. We shall see. But so basically in that six to eight month period of time, the Lord kept putting people in my life that had this testimony of they were engaged, but then God told them, Hey, that's not your spouse. It's actually this other person. So the engagement would be broken off and they would end up marrying this different person. And so I kept meeting people with that testimony. And I just felt like the Lord kept telling me to hold on to hope, to hold on to faith, to keep trusting, to keep believing, you know, like he gives us these promises and we think they're going to happen instantly, but they don't. (laughs) We actually have to hold on to them and trust and believe in these promises for a long time sometimes. And anyway, so I just kept believing and holding on to this promise that this man was my husband, whether or not he's engaged to someone else, you know, that God was somehow going to do a miracle. And I definitely had times of hopelessness and discouragement and I got really angry at God and I felt frustrated. But about two months ago, this guy actually broke off the engagement with his fiance and they are no longer engaged. He's no longer getting married to this other woman. And the past month, me and him have been back in communication, talking, and the Lord has been healing our friendship and our relationship. And yeah, so I don't know, but it's really crazy because I feel like God is doing something and I'm learning (laughs) how to take God's word and to hold on to hope and promises and just trusting God. But I, I definitely had to go through a season as well of dying, dying to my flesh, dying to my desires, just like Abraham had the promise of Isaac but then he had to lay Isaac on the altar. I felt like I had to go through a season of that, like having this promise, but then putting it on the altar and letting it die so that Jesus could resurrect it in his way, in his timing. That's the story. So now that I've heard that, I wasn't planning on doing it for this podcast, but I think I'd like to share with you my story as well. So I would say for myself, it began in late 2017. October 27th, 2017, I believe. My family and I, during that year, we thought we were going to be moving to Scotland. We needed $50,000 in order to be able to make such a move. And we didn't really have a way of getting that kind of money quickly. So we were basically expecting a deus ex machina to happen. Didn't happen. We didn't get the money we needed. And so I was left with a lack of purpose in my life because I had invested so much of my mindset into believing that we were going to be moving to Scotland. I was going to finally go to university there. I'd be getting a degree in computer programming. I'd be able to meet a wonderful Scottish girl there and we'd date and engage and get married. And I'd be living the rest of my life in Scotland. And now all of that was gone. So I was at a prayer and worship meeting with my dad. It was like this 30 hour long worship session. And while we were there, I met an old teacher of mine from Bible college. We talked a little bit about prophecy and about how we know that God is speaking to you. And I tried speaking to God that night in order to get an idea of what his voice sounded like. And one of the questions that I asked him, I asked him three questions. First of all, what was his opinion of me? Secondly, what was puberty like for Jesus? And third of all, how long am I going to be staying in the city that I'm currently at? And the answer that I got for that final question was five years. And at that time, like I haven't really lived that long in any place 
for that amount of time. There was a part of me that was just like five years, what the frick am I going to be doing in all of that time? And the next day I got my answer after work. I was working at Toys R Us at the time. And after work, I was brought in to the manager's office and told that I was being fired from my job. I didn't really have any backup options. I didn't have a good resume or good references to provide. And so there was a part of me that was just like, how is this going to work out for me? Immediately after getting fired from my job, I was doing volunteer work at a homeless ministry. And during my time out on the streets, trying to talk to homeless people. It was Halloween season. I was making conversation with one of the volunteers there. She was wearing this kind of hippie costume. And I was talking about how I'd just been fired from my job and how I didn't really know what the future was going to hold for me, especially now that everything that I'd been putting my hope in seemed to be just crumbling away. And after the night was done, this volunteer, she and another co-volunteer, she led a prayer for me. And I thought to myself, wow, that's just, that's, that's really nice. I should probably get to know her a bit better. She and I, we both went to the same Bible study, so I figured that was a convenient way to get to know her. About eight days later, I was at another prayer meeting at the Edmonton House of Prayer, and while I was praying to God, I heard this voice in my head saying, that woman who prayed for you on that night, this is the woman who is going to be your wife. Don't doubt this and wait for her to come to you. And I thought to myself, okay, how do I know this is real? because I've fallen in love with women before, and every time it's ended up horribly. So how do I know this is not testosterone talking? It just so happened that a couple days before, this woman, who I barely knew, by the way, she invited me to her birthday party. And I figured, you know what, if there is going to be any answer to this, I'll go to her birthday party, I'll figure out whether or not she and I are semi-compatible, and if I don't get any answers while I'm there, then who cares? I'll just focus on whatever else is going on in my life. Went to the birthday party, I ended up staying late at the party house because throughout the night, I wanted to be able to give this girl the gift that I'd gotten her. And the voice kept telling me, no, you should stay where you are. You don't go now. Wait, wait. Until finally, it was like nearing midnight. And the voice said, yeah, you can go right now. So I got up, I handed her the gift that I got her. Initially, she didn't want any gift whatsoever. But for me, as a gift giver, that's kind of unacceptable. So without any knowledge of her character, of what she liked, I just decided to jot down a nice little poem and hand it off to her. And as I was handing her that <laughs> gift, I looked into the corner of the room to see a small pile of gifts that had been given to her by other friends. And one of those gifts was a book of poetry. And I kind I thought to myself, oh, wow, I know absolutely nothing about this woman. And yet somehow I gave her a gift that is uh, right up her alley, apparently. And it was in that night that I knew that if I were going to pursue this further, I'd just be going down the rabbit hole. But I figured, you know what, I'm willing to commit myself to this. And so fast forward to, I would say, about February of the 2018 I thought to myself, you know what, this is just a nice little fantasy in my head. I don't know if I should be going to prophets or pastors and asking them about this because, you know, like my own love life, it's insignificant compared to anything else that's going on. 
and there was a friend of mine who I'd invited to a birthday party of mine, and I was trying to uh, contact them to see if they were interested in coming. I met them on the campus of my former Bible college. They were in the prayer room praying to God. I figured, you know what, I'm not going to stop the intimacy between him and God, so I'm just going to sit down on a chair and wait for him. And once he was done, he came up to me and he said, hey, I don't know what this means, but I just got a vision of you where you were wearing a tux and you were staying beside this blonde haired woman. She had her hair tied up in a bun. She was wearing what looked like a wedding dress. You had a rose in your hand and you looked like you were very much in love. What exactly does this mean? And I was like, oh my gosh! Because like, you know, I'd seen people who had been given visions and prophecies in the middle of church services and in the middle of prayer meetings, I had a dream and this guy was having my dream. And there were other prophecies that came about shortly after that also kind of confirmed things for me. There was a night I was out on retreat with a bunch of other friends and this girl and I, we were watching a movie with our friends. After the movie was done, most of our friends just left the room. And this girl and I and another girl, we all gathered together and we had this two and a half hour conversation about not just the movie, but also our hopes and dreams for life. We talked about whether or not a woman should submit to her her husband, which I just so happened to have written an essay on and I happened to have it on hand so I could just take it out and read from it. And there was a specific moment in that discussion we were having where she was talking about her dreams and how she initially wanted to be a lawyer, but then wanted to become a firefighter. But if God wanted to take her life and her career in another direction, then she was totally fine with that because ultimately she wanted to serve him. That was the specific moment where my heart leapt and I fell completely and totally and utterly in love with her. Not just, oh, you're hot and attractive, but also like, I'm going to love you no matter what, because it's clear that you have a servant's heart for God and it's beautiful. Shortly after that moment, everything began falling apart. I've already been talking too long about this, but the homeless ministry that we were both part of, I ran into some personal conflicts with the leadership there, which resulted in me having a nervous breakdown and acting in a very immature way. I got kicked out of the homeless ministry and permanently banned from that. A couple months later, right after the send, actually, I was trying to have a reconciliation meeting with one of those ministry leaders. And for the first hour and a half, everything seemed to be going well. There were still some things that we disagreed on, but we were making progress. And then I made the really, really stupid mistake of telling this ministry leader that I had downloaded some publicly accessible photos from her roommate's social media because her roommate was the girl that I liked. And she thought that was creepy. She told me, well, you know what, my friend, she already has a boyfriend. And that wasn't something that I was supposed to know, but it was something that I had known because way back about a year before, I was praying to God and God told me, this girl that you like, she's going to have a boyfriend before you. And here is going to be the exact time when they're going to start dating. And so like for a period of about four months, I knew that something was going on between her and someone else. And at the same time, I didn't know. And within that moment, I realized, oh, 
I guess this prophecy has, it's been confirmed. And I thought it was actually pretty funny. But it also, when I started laughing in the ministry leader's face, she also thought I was kind of a creep. And so she proceeded to tell this girl that I liked about my feelings for her. She encouraged her and a bunch of other people that we knew to block me on social media. A couple weeks later, I got kicked out of my Bible study that I'd been attending with her. And since then, I don't know, it's felt like I've made a tiny bit of progress. I'm still banned from the Bible study. I'm still banned from the homeless ministry. I guess I could just walk in there right now and see how people would react to me, but that's probably not the best way to go forward. I had an official meeting with this girl and I got to apologize to her for anything inappropriate or stupid that I said to her, but that really wasn't enough to convince the leadership that it was worth having me come back in. And as of now, this woman, she's still dating her boyfriend. They're still together. I guess I'm in that aspect of the story where you were a while ago, where you thought this guy, he's getting engaged to this other girl who's not me. What do I do? What do I do now? And for me, it's really discouraging. There are times where I just want to go in and just, you know, say, hey, God told me about all of this. But I know that God has said to me that I need to wait for her. And I know that if she were to come to me right now, I would not be the best man to date her. And so there are a couple of things that I'm trying to work on in order to be able to become worthy of her, I guess, in order to become the man that I need to be in order to lead her in a relationship and lead my family. The church that I'm going to right now, the summit, I've been meeting a lot of people from my past there. And I think as weird as it might sound, I think she's going to be going there. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know why she would do that. I don't know how she's going to break up with her boyfriend, but I'm working on faith. And if it doesn't work out, if she ends up marrying this guy, and if I'm going to have to contend with not dating anyone for the next two years, because once those two years are done, I'm leaving Edmonton, then I'm just going to have to say, oh, well. Yeah, I mean, I just keep thinking about Matthew 6.33, where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And I think that's like what, like for some reason, God has entrusted us with this knowledge because we're friends, right? Like it says, the word says that we are friends of God. We're no longer slaves, but we're friends and that a friend tells his friend secrets and God has entrusted us with this information with these dreams or prophetic words or encounters or whatever you know god has given us these things but there is there's a process like he shows us something that will come to pass but there's a process that we have to go through and it's like the story of joseph right like god showed joseph what was going to happen with his family with his brothers like he gave him these dreams but joseph was really immature <laughs> And he shared these dreams with his family and that ultimately ended up getting him, you know, put in this pit and sold into slavery and into Egypt. And, and Joseph had to go through this process of character development and growth and humility before God could raise him up as a leader in Egypt to ultimately save his family and save Israel. So I think that for us, like right now, God has shown us something. He's given us this word. He's given us these promises and confirmations. And 
now we get to trust the Lord and hold on to these words and promises, holding on to God's character as faithful and true and the promise keeper. But we also get to go through this refining fire and this season of refinement where God is refining our character and strengthening us and enabling us to be, yeah, the men and women, the husband and wife that we need to be for our spouses. And as we seek Jesus, as we keep our eyes on him, as we focus on him and we pursue him and his kingdom first, that's our first priority. Then in his timing, in his way, he can bring these relationships to pass and he can do it. You know, like literally I haven't seen or talked to this guy since February or March. Like I've had no contact with him at all until a couple of weeks ago, we talked on the phone, but it's like, sometimes, you know, we need to go through that preparation and God wants to keep us separate. Like maybe you need this season to be separate from this girl. It's a way of God actually like protecting you and refining you and allowing you to grow and heal and get stronger in your identity and stronger in your relationship with the Lord. And and for you to really figure out like your own call and to pursue the things that God's put on your heart to pursue while at the same time, God is probably doing things in her and strengthening her, building character, things in her, using this relationship even to help her grow in different ways that she needs to grow in. But I think it's like, as we keep running after Jesus, following him, pursuing him, then he's going to lead us to where we need to be. He's going to lead us to that person. And we don't have to worry about making it happen out of our own power or in our own timing. Because yeah, if it's his word, if it's a promise, like he's going to do it, he's going to make it happen. And we don't have to try to control or manipulate the situation. Yeah. And for yourself, we're finally moving on to the topic that I wanted to discuss for this episode. (laughs) For yourself, pursuing God has involved dancing a lot in worship services. How did that practice begin and what has it brought you in your journey? So let's see. I started dancing when I was three and I grew up dancing for 15 years. So I did like tap and jazz and ballet and competition and danced at school on the dance team. And when I was 18 years old, I auditioned for the dance team. Again, it was my senior year of high school. And I'd been on the dance team at school since seventh grade. And my senior year, I tried out, but I actually got cut from the team. So I didn't make it. And I was extremely devastated and confused. And so it was pretty shocking for me, my senior year of high school, to get cut from the team. And I basically just said, okay, I'm done with this. Like, this is not who I am. I'm not a dancer anymore. And I just shut that whole part of my life shut down that whole area of my life for basically the next 10 years. I quit dancing and I was pursuing other things. And then I guess it was in 2017, I went to a women's retreat and at this women's retreat, I was just on the floor one day crying and praying and just pouring my heart out to Jesus. And in the midst of this time of prayer, he gave me a vision and he showed me, it was like a flashback to my childhood when I was a little girl and I would sing and dance all the time at my house. I kind of had a little stage area and he showed me this from my childhood and how much joy I had just singing and performing and dancing. He said, Lauren, it's time to come out of hiding 
and out of the shadows and back into the spotlight. And he said, Lauren, you are a dancer. That is a part of your identity. I've created you to dance. And he said, I want you to dance in front of the church, in front of the body of Christ, to bring freedom to my people, freedom and worship. And when people watch you dance, they're not going to see you, but they're going to encounter me and encounter my glory through you. And I just, I mean, I was totally shocked. I was like, what the heck? Like, I haven't danced in 10 years. I didn't even know what worship dance was. I'd never went to a church where there were dancers. Like, I had no concept of dance at all in the Christian realm. But God just was very clear that was a part of my calling. And that was something that he gave to me as a child. And it was time to release that and to start dancing in front of people again. And so I guess it was the next night at this women's retreat, we're having like this It was in a big auditorium. There were probably about 300 women there. And it was between sessions. We were just having like kind of a time of soaking and people could journal or just soak or pray, whatever. And during that time, there was music going and I just saw Jesus put his hand out and he said, Lauren, will you come dance with me? Like, I want to dance with you. And he was inviting me to go on the stage and to dance with him on the stage. Well, you know, I'm freaking out because there's 300 women in this room and there was no one who said, oh yeah, feel free, worship, dance, come on state. Like no one said anything like that. And I was just like, God, what are you doing? Like, this is really scary. Like, I don't know if I can do this, but I just kept feeling Jesus invitation and him like inviting me and pulling me to come to the stage and dance with him. So sure enough, I ended up going and I went down onto the stage and I just started moving my body and dancing. And there was a big spotlight and I was dancing in front of the spotlight and just imagining Jesus, you know, myself with Jesus. And we were dancing together and just enjoying his presence and being with him. And one by one, these other women start trickling down. They come out of their seats and they start coming onto the stage and they start dancing on the stage. And just one by one, like, I think it was maybe about 13 or 14 women ended up on stage and we were all dancing together with Jesus during this time. And we would kind of rotate and take turns dancing in the spotlight. And it was just really this beautiful time of spontaneous worship and women being set free. And afterwards, so many of these women came up to me and they said, thank you. Thank you so much for dancing. And thank you for the freedom and the courage that you had. Because I used to be a dancer when I was a child and I haven't done it in years. But when I saw you dancing in your freedom, then I felt like I could be free and I could go and dance with Jesus. And they said, you know, how awakened and alive they felt just by tapping into that part of them that had been dormant for so long. And so that encounter really opened my eyes to like Jesus and his heart for dance and the power and dance and the freedom and the joy and the beauty that can come through that as we respond to Jesus and use our whole bodies to worship him. And so that happened. And then I guess a month after that, I ended up moving to Connecticut and I was living alone in a house and I just started going through a lot of depression. I was super lonely. I didn't have community, but I would be in my bedroom and I would literally start having panic attacks and just feel all these tormenting voices in my head and like 
a lot of fear and I would start shaking and weeping and I would be on the ground in fetal position, just sobbing and crying and feeling so mentally attacked in my brain. And I cried out, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. What do I do? And every time I cried out for help, he would say, Lauren, start dancing, start worshiping. And I would just barely even having energy, get off, pull myself off the floor and just start moving my body little by little. But then it, the more that I moved, it's like the anxiety left, the fear left, the lying, tormenting voices stopped. And he just filled me with peace and love and joy and freedom and energy and life. And I would just dance in my bedroom with Jesus. And I would imagine him there with me and I would sing and worship. And it was just like all the chains would fall off, all the heaviness, all the depression, everything would just flee as soon as I started dancing. And that happened for two, three months. Like these attacks would come and I would cry out to Jesus and he would say, start dancing. And then simultaneously, you know, I would be at a church service and I would be, you know, in the pews or sitting in the back and Jesus would invite me, Lauren, come up to the front, come dance with me. There was no one else dancing, no one else moving, like nothing going on. But Jesus would just say, come to the front, come dance with me. And I would go up and I would start moving and dancing. And it's like one by one, people would come up and freedom would be released in the room and the spirit would move and breakthrough would happen. And just the energy and the power of God would be released. And I don't know, it was wild. Like this was a season of about six months where I just encountered God so powerfully through dance. And I experienced so much healing for myself through dance. I don't know. It's been the way that God has really used to help me connect with him and to love him and to know him in a deeper intimacy, a deeper way than I've ever known him before. And then to partner with him to help release that love, that joy, that freedom to the body of Christ as well. So for yourself, when it comes to worshiping through dance, has it simply been just something that you do with God or have you been able to make something more out of it? It is a very personal thing for me and the Lord that I do with him a lot, just in my own time with him. But also God has shown me like, it's not just for me. Like he wants me to start sharing that with other people. And so I'm right now kind of in the process of just brainstorming about starting a dance ministry where I would travel and teach workshops for women and children and going to different churches to teach, but also in the community, maybe having a space at some point where I would teach classes. And I have traveled some to different churches. I'll teach workshops for women. Specifically, I have a really big heart for using dance as healing. So kind of intertwining inner healing ministry with dance and worship and leading women through these dance encounters where they encounter Jesus, but they also encounter like healing from trauma or depression, anxiety, maybe abuse. So that's really my heart is to use dance as a way to empower women to connect with Jesus, but also to find more freedom and healing for emotional trauma or physical trauma that they've been through. And then also with children, I've been teaching a lot of worship dance classes for kids. So really just wanting to raise up children as worshipers and worship is such it's warfare. Like worship is a really powerful tool that we have for warfare, but also in the prophetic and prophetic dance, releasing God's heart 
through movement, releasing, using dance as prayer, as intercession, using dance as spiritual warfare. So those are all things I'm very passionate about and just raising up and empowering the younger generations through creative movement and dance. So I've been teaching classes regularly once a week. I have like a creative movement worship dance class that I do with kids here in Nashville. I've also traveled and taught at various camps and churches and retreats for women and children. Also, I've done a little teaching overseas as well, but next summer I'll be going to Africa and teaching a lot of workshops as well for kids using dance as worship and doing some more evangelistic outreaches as well with dance, putting on some productions, some theatrical things that we can use in the community to share the gospel. It's all kind of being developed right now, I guess, just fine-tuning and brainstorming and COVID's been really great. God's been giving me a lot of great workshop ideas that I'm excited to hopefully get to teach in the next year. So how would dancing be prophetic? So basically, dance as prophetic, it's in scripture. There's definitely mention of, like with Miriam, how she would lead lead people forth and dance and worship and singing the Israelites. And then um, there's a few examples of Second Chronicles 20, I think is one of the really big, like primary scripture that I love, where there was actually a battle going on and the Lord told the Israelites just to worship and to to sing. And it doesn't say dancing specifically, but dance is very much a part of the Hebrew culture, the Jewish culture. Dance is a very big component to their worship. And so they basically, they worshiped and praised the Lord and danced and sang and thanked God. And as they were doing it, then their enemies literally killed themselves and they won this battle without even having to fight. So basically dance is prophetic is as I'm moving, as I'm dancing, the Holy Spirit will give me certain movements to do. He will show me certain movements that are creating declarations in the spirit. So for example, um, when I dance a lot, I will do this movement. It's kind of like a cutting motion. And so basically in the spirit, there are things that God's showing me are there that need to be broken or cut. So this is like a prophetic movement that is breaking things in the spirit or something like that, like a breaking motion like that. Or sometimes I'll be dancing and God will tell me to spin and I'll just start spinning rapidly. And he'll show me kind of like a whirlwind or tornado, like in the spirit that's being released to stir up different things or prophetic dance. It's basically hearing from the Lord, what he's saying or receiving, you know, a picture, receiving a movement and then releasing that through our bodies. And a lot of times as I dance as well, God will give me a movement to release, but then he'll also give me scriptures or prophetic words and declarations to speak and declare at the same time. So as I'm moving or dancing, I'm also declaring or praying things as well. Does that make sense? It does a little bit. What would you say your experiences have been like dancing in churches, specifically those with dancing cultures versus those that don't have those cultures? You know, it's interesting. I've faced a lot of rejection because of this. I've had a lot of people misunderstand me and misunderstand my heart. And I have actually encountered rejection at charismatic churches that would typically be very free and open, but I've had even pastors and leaders come up to me before and tell me I couldn't dance. I don't know. I guess it's been mixed reactions. I've danced at Episcopalian churches before and they loved it and they thought it was amazing and they were very encouraged. And 
So it's been really interesting. I guess churches that are more open to it, I've seen a lot of freedom and breakthrough. Like I've definitely seen the power of God come and move in ways that he wasn't moving before. And I'm not sure how it all works really, but God has told me that I carry this anointing called the breaker anointing that can shift atmospheres and bring breakthrough into the atmosphere where I am through my movements. And I've seen that and I felt it. It's a powerful shift. I've, you know, gone into services before and I'll even be in the back, you know, but I'm like, just dancing like a child and releasing joy and freedom. And then you you feel it in the atmosphere. Like there's just this joy that kind of erupts or is released and people will come up to me afterwards and they'll confirm that. And they'll say, you know, thank you for dancing. You release so much joy. You release so much freedom today. And so I've, I've seen a lot of shift and movement of the spirit in more conservative churches or traditional churches that don't really understand that. I have faced pushback. I've been kicked out of places before for dancing. People have told me that I was doing it for attention. And I think there's just a lot of stigmas in the church right now with dance because it has been something that people have seen either as sinful or trying to draw attention to yourself. But I feel like God is changing the story. I feel like God is awakening a lot of movers and dancers in this season. And I feel like God is starting to just release more creativity in the body of Christ and freedom for anyone to worship in the unique specific way that he gave them. And I love in the scriptures, you know, it says in Acts, in him, we live, we move, we have our being, right? And we are the temple of God. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it says to love the Lord, our God, with all of our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength. And God is obviously a very much physical God because he came in the form of Jesus, a human, into human flesh to live and to move and to breathe and to have being and to connect with people. God is very much about physical touch and encounter because Jesus would touch people and heal them. Physical touch is very much a part of Jesus's ministry. And so I think it's exciting now to see God awakening people to the power of movement. And even scientifically, you know, there's so much research that talks about mind-body connection and even just the importance of using our bodies to release negative energy or to release negative thoughts or, you know, getting out of our heads, out of that anxious analytical space in our minds and actually engaging our bodies to have kind of that outlet, that release for maybe some of the heavy things that are just dwelling in our minds. Okay. Running out of time at the moment. Before we go, if I might ask, is there anything that you would want to promote or plug? Just Jesus. (laughs) I guess I don't have anything to promote or plug, only Jesus and just encouraging people to run after Jesus with all their hearts to pursue him, to love him, to know him. And it's not about church. It's not about religion. It's not about going to Bible studies or worship stuff. Like that's all great, but it's about pursuing connection and relationship with Jesus and knowing the depths of his love and allowing him to love us. And I think that's what I want to plug is just people pressing into Jesus in a deeper way. That's good. Before we go, I do want to say like, I think you're a very special and incredible woman. And I hope things go well with you in your ministry and you pursuing God in this quest that you're on to marry this guy (laughs) eventually. 
I hope God continues to do incredible things in your life. Just looking at you, looking at your ministry, it's weird to think that like all of this has happened in the last three years. And there's a part of me that kind of wonders like, I don't know, do you feel like all that time before was just wasted? Or do you think that what's happening right now, it's what God was intending all along? Yeah, I think I've probably gone on some detours. You know, there's probably, I probably could have gotten up the mountain a lot quicker. I've probably (laughs) gone around the mountain a few more times than I needed to. But, you know, I guess that's the beautiful thing that God, he doesn't waste anything. I feel like God doesn't waste a thing in our lives. And he keeps telling me, Lauren, I turn messes into masterpieces and messes into mosaics. And, you know, you look at a mosaic and you look at all the different pieces of a mosaic. They're all broken pieces, but when they're put together, it's a beautiful picture. And that's how I see my life is like a lot of years in my life, there was a lot of brokenness and there was a lot of pain and there was a lot of very disconnected, disjointed places and people and things and just stuff that I was doing that didn't make sense. But now I see how God's kind of fitting all the broken pieces into place and creating this beautiful picture of my life. And I mean, it's just the beginning really, but yeah, I think you're right. Joseph, that story, that's just a perfect example of our lives and how in that story at the end of it, he says what the enemy intended for evil, God used for good. And so I guess at the end of the day, that's the message is God uses everything and he works everything out for good. I think that's it. It's like the past three years, there's been a lot happening, but I also believe there's a lot of good that happened before that. And maybe I needed those previous years of brokenness and just the things that happened to get me to this place where I am today. It's very good. Anyways, see you guys. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray with special guest Lauren Renee Howard. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us, and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.